0: Part five CHAPTER ten of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Dole. This Libervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter ten. During the entreacte, a draught of cold air made its way into Ellen's box, as the door was opened, and Anatole came in, bowing and trying not to disturb anyone. Allow me to present my brother, said Ellen, uneasily glancing from Natasha to Anatole natasha turned her pretty graceful head toward the handsome young man and smiled at him over her shoulder anatole who was as fine-looking near at hand as he was at a distance sat down by her and said that he had been long wishing for the pleasure of her acquaintance ever since that nerushkin's ball where he had seen her and never forgotten her kuragin was far cleverer and less affected with women than he was in the society of men he spoke fluently and simply and natasha had a strange and agreeable feeling of ease in the company of this man about whom so many rumors were current he was not only not terrible but his face even wore a naive jolly and good-natured smile kuragin asked her how she enjoyed the play and told her how semyovnova at the last performance had gotten a fall while on the stage do you know countess said he suddenly addressing her as though she were an old acquaintance "'We have been arranging a fancy dress party. You ought to take part in it. It will be very jolly. We shall all rendezvous at the Kerrigan's. Please come, won't you?' he insisted. In saying this he did not once take his smiling eyes from her face, her neck, her naked arms. Natasha was not left in doubt of the fact that he admired her. This was agreeable, but somehow she felt constrained and troubled by his presence.' When she was not looking at him she was conscious that he was staring at her shoulders, and she involuntarily tried to catch his eyes, so that he might rather fix them on her face. But while she thus looked him in the eyes she had a terrified consciousness that that barrier of modesty, which she had always felt before, kept other men at a distance, was down between him and her. Without being in the least able to explain it, she was conscious within five minutes that she was on a dangerously intimate footing with this man. She nervously turned a little for fear he might put his hand on her bare arm or kiss her on the neck. They talked about the simplest matters, and yet she felt that they were more intimate than she had ever been with any other man. She looked at Ellen and at her father as though asking them what all this meant, but Ellen was busily engaged in conversation with some general and paid no heed to her imploring look, and her father's said nothing more to her than what it always said happy? Well, I am glad of it. During one of those moments of constraint, while Anatole's prominent eyes were calmly and boldly surveying her, Natasha, in order to break the silence, asked him how he liked Moscow. Natasha asked the question and blushed. It seemed to her all the time that she was doing something unbecoming in talking with him. Anatole smiled, as though to encourage her. At first I was not particularly charmed with Moscow, because what a city ought to have, to be agreeable, is pretty women. Isn't that so? "'Well, now I like it very much,' said he, giving her a significant look. "'Will you come to our party, countess?' "'Please do,' said he, and stretching out his hand toward her bouquet, and lowering his voice, he added in French, "'You will be the prettiest. Come, my dear countess, and, as a pledge, give me that flower.' natasha did not realize what he was saying any more than he did but she had a consciousness that in his incomprehensible words there was an improper meaning she knew not what reply to make and turned away pretending not to have heard him but the instant that she turned away the thought came to her that he was there behind her and so near what is he doing now is he ashamed of himself is he angry is it my business to make amends she asked herself She could not refrain from glancing round. She looked straight into his eyes, and his nearness and self-possession and the good-natured warmth of his smile overcame her. She gave him an answering smile and gazed straight into his eyes, and once more she realized, with the feeling of horror, that there was no barrier between them. The curtain again went up. Anatole left the box, calm and serene natasha rejoined her father in her own box but already she was under the dominion of this world into which she had entered everything that passed before her eyes now seemed to her perfectly natural while all her former thoughts concerning her lover and the princess Maria and her life in the country vanished from her mind as though all that had taken place long long ago in the fourth act there was a strange kind of devil who sang and gesticulated until a trap beneath him was opened and he disappeared This was all that Natasha noticed during the fourth act. Something agitated and disturbed her, and the cause of this annoyance was Kuragin, at whom she could not help looking. When they left the theater, Anatole joined them, summoned their carriage, and helped them to get seated. As he was assisting Natasha, he squeezed her arm above the elbow. Startled and blushing, she looked at him. His brilliant eyes returned her gaze, and he gave her a tender smile. Not until she reached home was Natasha able clearly to realize all that had taken place, and when she suddenly remembered Prince André she was horror-struck, and as they all sat drinking tea she groaned aloud and, flushing scarlet, ran from the room. "'My God, I am lost,' she said to herself. "'How could I have let it go so far?' she wondered. Long she sat, hiding her flushed face in her hands, striving to give herself a clear account of what had happened to her, and she could not do so nor could she explain her feelings everything seemed to her dark obscure and terrible then in that huge brilliant auditorium where duport with his bare legs and spangled jacket capered about on the dampened stage to the sounds of music and the girls and the old men and ellen much decollete with her charm and haughty smile were all applauding and enthusiastically shouting bravo there under the protection of this same ellen everything was perfectly clear and simple but now alone by herself it became incomprehensible what does it mean what means this fear that i experience in his presence what means these stings of conscience which i experience now she asked herself if only her mother had been there natasha would have made confession of all her thoughts before going to bed that night she knew that sonya with her strict and wholesome views would either entirely fail to understand or would be horrified by her confession natasha accordingly tried by her own unaided efforts to settle the question that tormented her have i really forfeited prince Andrei's love or not she asked herself and then with a reassuring smile she replied to her own question what a fool i am to ask this what is the sense of it none i have done nothing i was not to blame for this "'No one will know about it, and I shall not see him any more,' she said to herself. "'Of course it is evident no harm has been done. "'There's nothing to repent of, and no reason why Prince André should not love me just as I am. "'But what do I mean by just as I am?' "'Oh, my God! My God! Why is he not here?' "'Natasha grew calm for an instant, but then some instinct told her that, "'even though nothing had happened and no harm had been done,' Still the first purity of her love for Prince André was destroyed, and once more she let her imagination bring up her whole conversation with Currigan, and she recalled his face and his motions, and the tender smile that this handsome, impudent man had given her after he had squeezed her arm. End of chapter 10